Good afternoon. If you remember uh, last week, we began to look at a couple of different aspects of prayer. And so we began looking at Hebrews chapter 7, verses 23 through 25, and how Jesus is praying for us as our high priest. You know, he is praying for us right now as our advocate, defending us against any accusations that are brought against us before the Father. And he's praying right now that our salvation would be brought to a completion. And his prayers for us, they never cease because his priesthood is permanent. But this week we're going to focus in on how the Holy Spirit, he's also praying for us. And so let's begin by praying together that God would speak to us through his word and that he would give us, the Holy Spirit would give us understanding and that he would convict us and and, uh, encourage us and strengthen our hope this afternoon. God, we come before you in the name of Jesus, and Lord, we are thankful that you allow us to be able to worship you this morning, or this, this afternoon, and God, we're thankful that, um, that God, you have given us this time to be able to uh, hear from you. God, we pray that we would hear from you this morning, or this afternoon, and that you would speak through me. God, that you would give us understanding, that you'd soften our hearts, help us to be able to to receive your truth and to be able to apply it to our lives, Lord. We ask that in your name, Jesus. Amen. So most of us probably know what a, a weight balance scale is. If not, then maybe you can picture it. It's, it's one of those scales that has a uh, pan on both sides. And so when you place an object in one pan and another object in the other pan, it compares the weights to one another. And so if one is heavier, then it tips to the side of the heavier object. And so now imagine that we have this this boulder or this rock, ginormous rock, that we'll label as the sufferings of 2020. And I mean, obviously we all know that 2020 has been a pretty weighty year. I mean, but imagine all the suffering that we've witnessed from racial injustice, murders, uh, riots, disunity, There's been natural disasters. Right now we're living through a pandemic. And not to mention, not just in our country, but all over the world, there are people who are facing uh, humanitarian crisis as far as food shortages. There's civil wars in other countries, political disunity all over the world. And then top that off with our own personal suffering, which you could be dealing with health problems. may have lost a, a job, and there's uncertainty that comes as far as future with that. And there's numerous other problems that we face because we live in a fallen world. If we were to place that boulder of the weight of the suffering of 2020 that we've experienced and the suffering of others that overwhelm us on one side of that weight balance scale, and you can picture us standing under that, then at times it can feel like it's going to be unbearable, like we're going to be crushed under that weight. But what if we were to take a much larger boulder of hope that far outweighs the boulder of our suffering and place it on the other side of that scale? Then that hope makes our suffering more bearable. Even though it's difficult, it makes it more bearable. And I like what Tim Keller says in his book, Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering. He says, Suffering is unbearable if you aren't certain that God is for you and with you. And so what is one of those larger boulders of hope that makes our present sufferings more bearable? I believe that Paul, he gives us one of those to place on the other end of the scale 
today in our passage in Romans chapter 8, verses 26 through 27. He communicates a truth about the Spirit's work in our life that God uses to strengthen our hope. And so if you have your Bibles, please take them and, and turn to Romans chapter 8. And as you turn there, I just want to give us a real brief context of the book of Romans. You know, Paul wrote this letter to a church in Rome that was made up of both Jewish and Gentile believers. And there are many different reasons why he wrote this letter, but one of the major reasons that we need to know about today is that he wants to strengthen their beliefs in the gospel. You know, they know the gospel, but he wants them to have an even deeper understanding, a deeper knowledge of the gospel, which is what we're doing today as well. And so let's, let's read Romans. We're going to read Romans 8, 18 through 28, just to give us some context uh, about what Paul's specifically saying in, in 26 and 27. So let's start in verse 18 and read through 28 together. Paul wrote, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know how, what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit. Because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. And so in verses 18 through 25, Paul describes how for followers of Christ, the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. But right now he describes how followers of Christ, along with all of creation, groan as we experience these sufferings. And so as we experience the weight of all of our sufferings, similar to the ones I mentioned at the beginning, we along with all creation groan which means this kind of like inward just sigh of frustration. And it's not, a, it's not a sinful sigh of frustration. It's a right response because we long for things to be made right again. And we're always battling with sin, struggling with temptations, and also just the effects of sin on our bodies. You know, we grow old, we get weak, we get sick. And all of these things are consequences of sin entering into the world. And Paul says that, as believers, we groan inwardly because of all this, but we can also wait eagerly with patience, knowing that with the certainty that our salvation will be brought to a completion, the full redemption of our bodies. And so he's reminding us that we have this future hope in our present sufferings, that one day there will be no more struggling with sin, you know, there will be no more pain or suffering caused by sin being present in the world. You know, one day we'll be saved completely from the presence of sin altogether. But in all the, the, the weight of our suffering will be nothing compared to the glory that will be revealed to us. 
And as we wait for this, wait for the, as we wait, we wait with a concrete hope, knowing that God has promised us in this in Christ, and He'll fulfill His promise. And so Paul, he strengthens our hope by helping us better understand this. But in the two verses that we're going to focus in on, Paul also strengthens our hope by helping us better understand how the Holy Spirit is presently working in our lives right now. You know, even as we struggle in weakness in our suffering. And so our main idea today is going to be strengthen your hope by understanding how the Spirit is praying for you. So that's our main idea, strengthen your hope by understanding how the Spirit is praying for you. And so how do we do this? We're going to accomplish this by trying to understand two things. And this, this is going to be kind of our two sub-points for today. The first is why the Spirit prays for us. Why the Spirit prays for us. And then the second is how the Spirit prays for us. So the why and the how. And so let's focus on why the Spirit prays for us. Paul writes in verse 26, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. And so he says, likewise, you know, pointing back to verses 18 through 25 and how God sustains us through the hope that he gives us in our present sufferings, through the promise of one day, you know, we're going to be fully redeemed. Likewise, or similar to that, the Spirit also sustains us because he helps us in our weakness. And so we have a future hope, but the Spirit is also presently helping us. He's joining with us, and and this is a a picture of him coming alongside us and bearing the weight of our burdens. Maybe you can picture a weightlifter doing squats, and he has this just enormous amount of weight on his back. And he's on his last few reps, and as as he goes down, his knees are about to buckle. But someone steps in and keeps him from being crushed under that weight. The Spirit steps in and helps bear the weight of our sufferings. Why? Well, Paul says, because we're weak. And it's kind of interesting because Paul doesn't exclude himself here. We think of Paul being this strong and mighty character throughout the Scriptures. And God uses him mightily. But Paul doesn't exclude himself from being the one, one of the ones who are weak. He says, who helps us in our weakness. This is a universal weakness that all believers struggle with. And so how are we weak? Paul writes in verse 26, For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. Part of our weakness as believers is that we don't know how to pray as we should. And I believe that there are at least two different ways that we don't know how to pray. The first being that we we don't have the words. Sometimes we just don't have the words to know how to pray. And what I mean by this is that there are times where we we go through situations where we're so overwhelmed with what's going on in the moment that we just can't find the words. You know, the suffering that we're experiencing is difficult, and in our weakness, we don't know where to start. We don't know how to articulate what we need to say to bring it before the Lord in prayer. There have been times where I've just gotten down on my knees and before the Father, and I don't, I don't know what to say, and I even find myself praying to the Father that I don't know how to pray about this specific situation. You know, maybe you, you've experienced those moments. We just don't know what to pray. We don't have the words. I definitely think that's part of what he's saying, that we don't have the words to know what to pray in certain moments. But also, I believe that there's more to our weakness than just that. Our weakness also means that our knowledge of God's will is limited. So our knowledge of God's will is limited. There there are times where we think that we knew how to pray within specific situations, and we, we think we're praying according to God's will, but we're not. 
Now, a big part of our weakness that leads to us not praying as we should is that we don't know every detail that there is to know about God's will for our lives. And I believe that for us to understand this, that we need to know the, and understand the difference between the two different wills of God. You know, God's revealed will and His hidden will. If you remember a, a few weeks ago, Pastor Andy, when preaching on the, uh, the Lord's Prayer, specifically on verse 10, where Jesus says, teaches us to pray, Your will be done. He briefly addressed this. I believe it's important for us to briefly address this today as well because it helps us to better understand what Paul is saying when he says that we're weak. And so the revealed will of God, this is God's will for us that's clearly been revealed in the Scriptures. These are things that we can be certain of and know that it is His will for us. And we can pray according to these truths that He's revealed to us in the Scriptures and know that we're praying according to God's will. You know, one of the, the many examples uh, that we can find in the Scripture would be like 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3, where Paul writes, For this is the will of God, your sanctification. And so we can pray that God would sanctify us and know that we're praying according to His will. And so that's the, the revealed will of God, the truths that we know from Scripture that He's clearly stated is His will for us, and we can pray according to His will. But there's also the hidden will of God. You know, this is God's will for us that he hasn't revealed to us in the scriptures. You know, some examples could be like, you know, what job we should take or who we should marry or whether or not uh, he'll answer our prayers to take us out of a specific situation of, of, of suffering that we're going through. You know, he hasn't revealed every aspect of how our lives will play out, but he has a will for our lives that he's planned out that will bring about the most good in our lives and that will bring him the most glory. I mean, think about this in regards to our prayer lives. There are times when we pray for good things, and he says no, because it's not his will for us. We pray for a specific job that would be you know, absolutely wonderful for us to have. And there's nothing wrong with that job, and, and you know, God could provide for your family through it. He could use the way that he's gifted you within that specific job. And you can go down all the, the, the boxes and check off why this has to be that perfect job that, that God has planned out for me, that has to be His will for me, for my life, and then He'll say no, because it's not His will for your life. Or maybe you've been struggling with some kind of physical problem, you know, a specific kind of health condition, and you think, if God would only heal me of this, this pain and this physical suffering that I'm going through, then He could use me in much greater ways. But then he says no, because he has other plans for you. you know, part of our weakness that we all experience is that we are finite human beings who do not know every detail of God's will for our lives. And so, in a way, our sense of weakness, it drives us to pray, but our weakness also prevents us from praying as we should, right? You know, even Paul struggled with this. In 2 Corinthians 12, Paul wrote about how he was afflicted and that he prayed to the Lord three different times to take this affliction from him, or what he referred to as the thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan who'd been sent to torment him. But God said no, because that was not God's will for Paul's life. Paul prayed for a good thing, but because of his weakness of not knowing every detail of God's hidden will for his life, he prayed in a way that didn't align with what God's will was for him. And so in our weakness, you know, being that we just don't know what to say and that we have this limited knowledge of God's will for our lives, 
we don't know how to pray as we should. And this is where the Holy Spirit comes alongside us to help us in our weakness. This is why he intercedes for us. And so how is he praying for us? Well, Paul writes in the second half of verses 26 and 27, But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So understand that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, He indwells all believers, which basically means that when we trust in Christ for salvation, He takes up permanent residence within us. In John 14, 17, Jesus revealed to His disciples this truth. And when He tells them, Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees Him or knows Him, you know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. you know, and the Scriptures also teach us how the, our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit. And so he takes up permanent residence within us and he enables us to be able to understand the scriptures. You know, he empowers us to, to live lives of godliness. He convicts us of sin. And here in this passage, as he's dwelling within us, he's also interceding for us with groanings too deep for words. And so what does this mean? And I don't believe that this means that the Spirit is causing us to pray in tongues or it's referring to anything that we audibly pray. You know, this isn't literal, audible groans that are coming from us. You know, this is a figure of speech similar to what Paul uses in the passage before this, where he describes how creation groans, and all believers groan as we wait for the completion of our redemption. And what this means is that the Spirit who dwells within all believers and who knows that our deepest desire is to do the will of God and to bring glory to Christ, even when we don't know how to pray in a difficult moment, or because we simply don't know every detail that there is to know about God's will for our lives, that the Holy Spirit is interceding for us with these wordless groans. The Spirit who resides within us in an inaudible way, Douglas Moo says, is performing this ministry of intercession that takes place within our hearts. You know, the Holy Spirit, He takes our imperfect prayers and He makes them perfect. He intercedes alongside us and with, within us with groanings too deep for words. And this inaudible intercession that takes place within our hearts can be understood even more clearly in the next verse. Because take a look at verse 27, where he writes, And he who searches hearts, which this is referring to God the Father, he knows what the mind of the Spirit, what is the mind of the Spirit. And so the Father, who the Scriptures say, looks not only on the outward appearance of man, but knows our inward being. He looks to our hearts and he sees those who are his because those who are his have the Spirit of God dwelling within them. And God the Father knows the mind of God the Spirit and the Father receives all the prayers that the Spirit offers up on our behalf as he's interceding for us. But why? Paul writes in the second half of verse 27, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And so the Spirit who dwells within us is praying for us to the Father. And unlike our prayers, which are imperfect because of our weakness, the Holy Spirit is always praying perfectly on our behalf. And His prayers for us always align perfectly with the will of, will of the Father. And so unlike our prayers, His prayers for us are always answered with a yes, and they bring about the will of God in our lives. And so why is this important for us? You know, what are some of the ways that, that we can apply these truths 
to our lives. And understand the application is not always just do X, Y, and Z to live a life of godliness. Yeah, but sometimes our application from a passage is, is, is to more clearly see who God is and how we relate to Him. And as we do this, it more firmly establishes our hope, which is what I believe Paul is trying to do for these people that he's writing to in the church in Rome. And so I just have three points of application or, or ways that these truths about how the Holy Spirit is praying for us should more firmly establish our hope. And the first is, God is for us. So God is for us. Now, I've, I've been absolutely overwhelmed the past two weeks by how much God is for his people. I mean, think about it. We have God the Son, Jesus, you know, who is our high priest, and he's interceding for us as our advocate. He's praying that our salvation would be brought to a completion. But we also have the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, who's praying for us, and his prayers are bringing about the perfect will of God in our lives. You know, God hasn't left us to, to try to figure out this whole Christian journey on our own, this difficult path. God is for us. You know, it's like what Paul says in the end of cha the chapter 8. You know, if God is for us, who can be against us? And so if, if you're struggling with doubting God's love for you, or if you, like we all do, struggle in our weakness to know how to pray, and maybe you've become discouraged in your prayer life, you feel like God isn't, isn't listening to you, and He doesn't care for you, that He's forgotten about you, and maybe even those thoughts run through your mind when you're kneeling down to pray. And I hope that you've seen over these past two weeks that those are lies. And that He deeply cares about your well-being. He deeply cares about the well-being of His people. So much so that the Son is praying for His people right now. He's praying for you right now. And so much so that the Spirit is interceding for you right now. And so God is for you. So be encouraged. You know, secondly, God's will is not being it's not going to be derailed because of our weakness. You know, God's will is not being derailed because of our weakness. Picture a train just, just being derailed and falling off the tracks. You know, uh, you know, maybe some of us have, have been struggling in our prayer lives lately because it seems as if God just continues to say no to what we've been praying for. You know, whether it be a job or to be blessed with a husband and wife or to be pregnant with another child or to be healed of a health problem that you're struggling with. And maybe as you've been laboring in prayer, you've been questioning whether or not you should continue praying for these things. Is it even God's will for my life? Well, I would definitely say, you know, we should step back and always be examining our motives behind why we're praying for what we're praying for, right? You know, if you have, and if you have godly motivations behind those prayers, and you're praying for good things, I would, I would encourage you to continue pressing on in prayer. Continue praying for those things. You know, there's a way that God changes our hearts and our desires to align with Him, with His as we pray. And he brings about, in a mysterious way, his will through the prayers of his people. And there's nowhere in the scriptures that commands us not to ask for good things with God-glorifying motives from him, and not to be persistent in our asking, right? In fact, he actually says things like, you do not have because you do not ask, and keep praying and do not lose heart. But as we do this, also understand that there are reasons that God says no now 
And yes, later on, as we're persistent praying, and there are reasons why God says no now, and the answer never changes. You know, Tim Keller says in his book on prayer, he writes, God will either give us what we ask or give us what we would have asked if we knew everything he knows. So listen to that again. It says, God will either give us what we ask or give us what we would have asked if we knew everything he knows. And so if we knew everything that God knows, then some of the ways that we would pray would likely change. You know, many of the things and the outcomes that we pray for would be different if we knew everything that he knew. Because we would be able to see that the, what the, the result would be in the end, how, it, how things would work out for our best good and the, and the good of his people and work out in a way that would bring him the most glory. But we don't know every detail of his will for us. However, the Spirit does. And he's praying for us right now. And even though we are persistent in asking for good things with God-glorifying motives that may not align with His will for us, we're not going to derail God's will for our lives. In fact, in, in verse 28, Paul writes, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to His purpose. And so God, He's working out everything according to His perfect will. And even though at times it's a mystery to us, we can trust that everything that he's allowing to come about in our lives is for our best good and that it will bring him the most glory. Even though at times this can be absolutely difficult and we don't understand how he's working. And one of the ways that he does this, that he brings about all these good things and, brings, and, and guarantees that, that he's going to work out all things for, for his greatest glory and for our good, is through the prayers of the Spirit who intercedes on our behalf. And so God's will is not going to be derailed because of our weakness. And the third point of application is, do you have the Spirit? You know, similar to last week, when I asked you if uh, you know whether Christ is your advocate and whether you know if He's interceding to the Father on your behalf, I ask again today, is the, is the Holy Spirit dwelling within you? Is he praying on your behalf that God's perfect will will come about in your life? You know, do you have a, this concrete hope in your present sufferings because the Holy Spirit is praying for you right now? And if not, and you're wondering, well, what do I do to receive the Spirit? And the Scriptures tell us that we need to turn from our sin and receive Christ who saves by faith. And when we do this, he, he takes up permanent residence within us, you know, sealing us until the day of redemption, which means that our salvation is secure so it's not only secure because of Christ's finished work and His permanent priesthood, but it's also secure because of the work of the Spirit who dwells within us permanently. And He enables us to live for His glory. So I would encourage you to, to turn to Christ and receive salvation in Him. And so as we conclude here together today, I pray that, that you are encouraged that we not only have hope and the promise that one day our bodies will be fully redeemed, but that we also have hope in our present sufferings because the Spirit is praying for us right now. And so let's pray together. God, we come before you in, in, the, in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we are so thankful that God, you didn't just leave us on our own to, to try to figure all this out uh, because that would have been absolutely hopeless. But Lord, you, Jesus, are, are, are praying for us at the right hand of the Father. As our advocate, Jesus, you are 
Your prayers are bringing about the completion of our salvation. Lord, we're thankful that you sent the Spirit who dwells within us, God, who is always praying according to your will. And Lord, we're thankful that, God, your, your knowledge is, you know all things. God, that, God, you're unlike us, who we, we, we don't know every single detail of why, why things happen the way they do. But God, we ask that you'd help us to trust, that you'd help us to see your answers, which are no, maybe in a different light, and to see how you're working. That God, you haven't forgotten us, that you haven't um, left us on our own, but God, you are, are working right now on our behalf through the power of the Spirit who's interceding for us. Lord, help us to, to cling on to that truth, and, and I pray that you would strengthen our hopes in our present sufferings right now through that truth. We ask that in your name, Jesus. Amen.